Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Proust! Hooray for Captain Spaulding, the African Explorer! Did someone call me Snorer? Hooray, hooray, hooray! He went into the jungle. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Smartest Man in the World podcast, taking you the ether here from the salubrious confines of the wine bar at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival right here at the Gilded Balloon. Let's have a hand for that, shall we, for creativity. I don't even know if they call it the Fringe Festival anymore. Our crack technical staff has been smoking crack all night and has just now decided to change the microphone stand at the outset of the show because their timing is impeccable. Like a tiny peccary, they run through the woods. This is our third proofcast we've done here from the wine bar. The Gilded Balloon in the air has not grown any fresher. <laughs> this room is close, like the black hole of fucking Calcutta. Uh, and we're all uh, cloistered in here shoulder to shoulder together. But one thing we are is connected at the heart. Mm. That's good booze. I hope you had some in the bar outside. Um, this is my... Uh, I've only been in Edinburgh about a week already. And I haven't eaten too much takeout food, which I'm reasonably proud of. Just Chinese food on the second night when I didn't feel that well. But uh, the, par- the funnest part of Edinburgh is, of course, eating it all. The, the difference when I came here uh, some 20 years ago was 21 years ago, there was no food carts or, 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 or donut stands or clean bathrooms or anything. Um, you stood on a pointed stick and people looked at you uh, and that was it. And then you'd go outside and there'd be a dude with a beer and he'd go, and that was the whole festival. It was dirty and just, you scored Coke from dudes on the Leith and well, not me, but people I knew. And then they'd bring it to me. Um, now I don't know what you'd fucking do. There's carpet everywhere and stuff like that. And for you guys, amazingly clean. Um, yeah, you heard me. British people don't care if they wade through a fucking ocean on their way to the urinal. That's all I have to say. The idea that you would keep a bathroom clean the whole day and whole night, I don't fucking think that one registered here. First of all, you keep your bathrooms downstairs in a basement like there's some hidden fucking torture chamber and shit like that. How come bathrooms are never upstairs with a fucking window that you can open and the sun shines through and there's curtains and shit like that? Bathrooms are always, ooh, let's take it over there. And it's downstairs and I I feel like I should put a ball gag in before I urinate and stuff and there's cards everywhere and mirrors on the fucking wall and blue lights and piss everywhere and shit like that. These are called napkins, by the way. I just joined the, uh, the uh, ladyboys of Bangkok there and had a, <laughs> an enormous spinning protuberance for just a moment that no one could control. It was as if my undies had shunted to the side and the truth was revealed. Uh, <laughs> people here will eat without a napkin more than anywhere I've ever seen on earth, and I include third world fucking countries I've been to. You'll eat a pizza, put the pizza slice right on the fucking table. If you're sitting on the ground, you'll put it on the ground and just pick it back up and then fucking eat it and shit, and then shake hands with everybody and then touch yourself. It's, there's no fucking hand sanitizer except in some of the toilets. It's just amazing here that no one is dead or has buboes on their eye. Uh, that comes later, right after the festival's over. So I, I think it's improved a lot. There's hamburger stands. There's a crepe stand, for fuck's sake. There's a donut stand. There was never a donut stand. In the, first of all, the refrigerators are on, which I know is like next to lunacy in this fucking country. The idea that you would spend money on electricity to keep shit cold when it can just sit there, <laughs> keeping its own temperature without the interference of fucking electricity. 
Uh, no, they had cold Mexican beers while I was working over at the assembly in George Square. Cold Mexican beers. Look at the tear. Look at the tear running down my face. You know what that is? I'm proud of you. You're like America in the 50s. You fucking made it. You're going to have freeways next and shit, for real. Good for you. And lighting and stuff in the streets. I see people take their plastic bottle and not, you know, throw it away. Very conscientious here on the island of United Britain. And then they go into the men's room and turn on the faucet that I would no more touch with my hands than I would exactly... Then I would walk through the cow gate barefoot with my bollocks hanging down. <laughs> there is more pestilence in the cow gate in this town than there is in all of Europe. And uh, they take the bottle and they turn on the fucking faucet in the men's loo and they stick the fucking uh, uh, nozzle right out and fill their water bottle from it and then turn it and then drink from it. And you're like, really? That is bold and adventuresome. If I had a microscope right now, I would follow you the rest of the day just to see how many legs the creatures that live inside you have. Uh, but perhaps that just speaks to my fussiness more than anything else. You certainly think so. <laughs> You're like, well, you want, no wonder you fucking Americans. You want soap and you want napkins and whatnot. You want chip forks and you want there to be service and people to say hi and how are you and, and then have a, have a nice day and whatnot. They don't fucking mean it. When I tell you fuck off, I don't have any more fucking chip forks. That's what I'm here. Fucking mean it. We're staying at flats. We all stay at flats while we're here. Uh, I'd love to be wealthy enough to stay at the Balmoral in the uh, TV executive douchebag suite. But I, uh, I don't have the funding. So uh, we're all in, we all stay in flats, all the performers here. And I, th- I assume most of the people who... Come visit, stay in like some kind of flat or something. Do people stay in hotels the whole bloody time? Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Fucking one of the Beach Boys is staying at a hotel. <laughs> Did you hear that answer from the back? Yeah, man. Fucking A. Uh, awesome. What hotel are you staying at? Oh, you've forgotten now. Okay. So early, no, no, that, your moment's over, man. I gave you time. I fucking let you in my show, and you know what you did? You fucked it. <laughs> I'll just pretend I know, because it's going to be funnier if I infer which hotel you're staying at. Uh, there's an Ibis about 35 miles from here that's two bus rides, and uh, yeah. It's got a single guy suite with the pink soap and the weird towel. And if you bring any woman back there for a night of shagging, you owe the entire gender an apology. That's where he's staying. Uh, anyways, I'm staying at a flat here, and wow, I love it. It's just, uh, I can't describe it. I think it's supposed to be a showcase flat. Um, the woman has redone it, clearly. But not everything's redone, because it's Scotland. So, like, the, open, the front door doesn't fucking work. You have to pull the key out a little and then turn it and then do a gyration and then lay in a shallow ditch and do an incantation toward, yeah, toward the dog star for half an hour. And then I have to, like, move my head one quarter to the right and give a password to a Polish guy. And then an otter pops up and it's like, Hoot Greg, what's the word tonight? And then I fucking hand a thing through a bin liner. And then I have to tip a thing a certain way and wait for the equinox to come. And there's a cairn of stones. And then the door opens. And then... You go upstairs to the second door, and they give you those. I think I've got it on me. 
this is what I love about Edinburgh. In a world, and I stay in a world of fucking corporate hotels, and no hotels except maybe very rare on the ground now give you keys anymore, right? A key, a big-ass key, a key that goes in a lock that you turn and tumblers fall, right? Tumblers are the things that are inside locks. There's young people here tonight. You've never ever watched a movie where someone's gone like this. Well, the music goes bong, bong. Someone goes do do do, and then takes out a leather case and then t- pulls out a thing and he goes, and then bingo, and the door. You guys are like, what? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you take something from your pocket and go? So that's what people had to do. This is what we would call in the United States a skeleton key. Uh, I'm sure you do here as well. And you would never fucking see this anywhere anymore in the United States except in a movie that has Robert Downey Jr. in it. (laughs) And it would be handed to him by Jude Law. Except because it's a Guy Ritchie film, it would go... Like that a million times. So then I have to put the skeleton key in and then juggle all my groceries and shit that I'm holding in the bags, right? And then try to get the top lock done done as well. So you go inside this flat. Uh, how can I describe it to you? I don't ever know I, people, how many people in this room are my age. If anyone went to a Coke dealer in the late 70s, early 80s, that person that you used to go to designed the decor of this flat. White shag rug, two leather couches, faux mink bedspread. Did you hear me? Faux mink bedspread. Did you hear me? Faux mink bedspread. You can't even masturbate because of the hairballs. <laughs> There's little burgundy, a burgundy scrunchy throw on top of one of the leather couches. Um, there's a, a white shag pillows. There's a giant silver mirror on the wall. There's two glass coffee tables that fit under each other, right? Remember the modular coffee table? This one's smaller, so you can break it faster. This one's bigger, so you can put your beer glass through it immediately and shatter everything. And this one you're supposed to chop lines on and shit until the kittens come home. And then there's like this little faux fireplace and whatnot. The lamps, uh, the first one is, is a chrome, the starburst space lamp. That one's where the chandelier should be in this fabulous Victorian flat with the wainscoting and the working and everything. They've put a fucking Coke dealer space explosion, Mr. Spock fucking lamp hanging from there. Then the one in the corner is the starburst, the one where a thousand different particles are going in a million directions. And then the other one is the weird um, reproductive organ lamp that everything looks like an ovum that's been clustered around a thing. So when you light them up, they go like, you know, and you feel like you could reproduce with pure particles of light and cocaine. Uh, then I haven't even got to the fucking bedroom. Oh, I mentioned the faux, beds, the faux mink bedspread or fink bedspread or fink mink or whatever you call it. Um, White shag pillows. Uh, in the, uh, oh, there's a stone Buddha. And, because you know what? When you're chopping rails and staying up all night and walking around on a white shag carpet, and uh, you fucking feel spiritual. You know where you feel? In the now. You feel in the moment. I think the, it was the Buddha who said, crack off another rail and let's just bullshit until the fucking sun comes up, until the otter jumps out of the river and lays on the bank on its side to dry. And then, t- then will the jade shine upon the fucking lightness inside your soul and all shall be revealed. Now, are you going to chop that fucking line or do I have to reach over this fucking table and choke your chicken neck? (laughs) I'm almost certain that's in the Mormon book of Buddha. Uh, The bedroom has white feather curtains. 
So it's like being in a Lithuanian prostitute's aviary. (laughs) Opposite the bed is a closet that's a standing closet that they put in that has mirrors floor to ceiling. So I can, if I want, wrap a faux mink bedspread around me, naked, (laughs) rise from my bed (laughs) through the cover of the white feather curtains and look upon my own fabulous raging glory in the fucking Coke mirror wall-to-ceiling closets. Uh, I only do it like, you know, two, three times in the morning. And then when I get home, there's a farewell one. You'd think the shower would be awesome. You'd think it'd be one of those fucking mental hospital ones that has a million nozzles coming out of everywhere, but it's just a regular shower. Bit disappointing. Uh, I actually should have said it was like the holodeck in Star Trek The Next Generation. You just walk in and go like, Zambezi, and then that, you know, or whatever you want, like Reichenbach Falls, and then, ah, you know. So thank you, person who rented me that flat. I have not stopped laughing since I fucking got there. White shag carpet. It's like my mother's taste from 1972. My mother bought a smoked glass coffee table with white fucking uh, leather pleather chairs that had the chrome that went like that. Does anyone remember that fucking design? Holy shit. I mean, I was like, Mom, are we going to be doing some meth later? What, when did, where did your taste come from? What, when did you fall off the Bulgarian Coke dealer truck? Are you going to start carrying an anvil case and wearing a big apple hat and walking with a fucking gangster lean and shit and carrying a shiv and I'm going to have to worry you got a 22 and whatnot and all of a sudden your car's got rims that spin backwards when you pull up to my house and a lot of the crowns got a little too quiet for my taste. This had better change. Well, all you're doing is talking about your flat. Yeah. It's more interesting than the flat you're fucking staying in. (laughs) Okay, there's only an hour left. (laughs) Uh, Let's get to the eulogies and then the boring preachy part and then we'll do questions and then we'll get the fuck out of here. Uh, uh, Phyllis Diller passed away and Phyllis Diller is probably unknown to you here on the... Do do people know who Phyllis Diller is? Okay, some people. Uh, in America, of course, people would know. I mean, if you're young, it's difficult to know because she hasn't been on TV in quite a long time. She was 93, was it? 95. Fucking hey, well done, Phyllis Diller. Phyllis Diller preceded everybody uh, except for a few people um, as, a, as a female comic in the United States. Stand up, straight up, stand up. American female comic. Uh, there was a one woman whose name, of course, I'm blanking on entirely. There was Belle Barth. There was Sophie Tucker. Uh, there, was lo- there was always women comedians. But she was in the 50s style, right? At the age of 37, with five children and a husband, she decided to become a stand-up comedian. Let me just repeat that in case anyone out there is getting a late start in what they think is their fucking calling. 37 she was. She died at 95. Uh, so she had a long-assed career. She only retired a couple of years ago. And only because I think she was just tired of doing the road. Um, 37, she started to be a comic. So 
Uh, Phyllis Stiller had a cigarette holder when she first started, like miniskirt, fucking electric, giant fucking fright wig, go-go boots, huge earrings, like vinyl, different colors. She was hilarious, right? Just the visual. And she'd come on and she'd go, "Uh, my sink is so dirty. I watch bugs slide to their death. Ah, 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 ah. Fucking laugh. Like she had, she laughed at her own jokes and her laugh was hysterical. Ah, ah, ah. And she reminded Joe Brand in, in the '80s always reminded me of like uh, uh, you know an English Phyllis Stiller because she was such a, a giant uh, character. Uh, uh. In any case, she's she wasn't what we would call now an empowered feminist female. She made fun of her own looks and her own do, uh, bad domesticity. What was her uh, God? I'm going to blow her dinner joke right in the ass here. It was uh, uh, I have a three step dinner. I serve it. I clear the plates and I bury the dead. Ah. She was best mates with Bob Hope, so I get to interview her years ago. I did a radio show on um, Radio 4, I think it was, Radio 4, called uh, a stand-up comedy show called uh, Comedy Album Heroes, right? So we did Bill Cosby, we did Bob Newhart, uh, we did a load of comedians. Uh, some, that th- some you've heard of, some you haven't. Richard Pryor, uh, uh, Lily Tomlin, um, George Carlin and whatnot. But the comics I like from before me. And... Um, Phyllis Diller, I thought, oh, she'll be one. No one ever gives Phyllis Diller any props. And Joan Rivers would say, or, or, and Ellen DeGeneres would say, uh, uh, all, all the American comedians uh, would say that she was really, you know, without her, because she broke down all the walls. She was on all the talk shows. She fucking did it her way, right? Um, I go to her crib. She was lovely enough to let me come to her crib in, like, Beverly Hills or Brentwood or wherever she lived. So I pull up in this big circular driveway, and I realize when I get there, that she couldn't be more disappointed that I don't have a fucking camera. This is a fucking radio documentary. Who, whatever her publicist told her, I think he said the word BBC. And that was the end of fucking that. I got to the door and she was in full fucking hair and makeup at like one in the afternoon. And I have a little fucking shitty BBC deck that they gave me. And I'm like, hi, my name's Greg. And I'm here to disappoint you utterly, Miss Diller. So she's like, where's the crew? And I'm like, I'm the crew. And she... And she withdrew like in a Polanski film, just (laughs) come in. So I come in and in the foyer, uh, she has in a giant overstuffed chair, a seven and a half, maybe eight foot tall portrait of Bob Hope as a country gentleman. I'm not fucking kidding. It was so big. And it wasn't hung on a wall. It was... <laughs> you were supposed to see it. And she was like, I love that man. And uh, because not only Bob Hope was a superb uh, stand-up comedian, um, an unmitigated warmonger, but that aside, uh, if born in England, a superb uh, comedian. I think in some ways, and I probably said this on the show before, I think he invented stand-up comedy in the United States. What we know as stand-up. Um, before Bob Hope, because he started in vaudeville, uh, what you guys called music hall, and which everyone else now these days would call, um, <laughs> what was Alexi Sales' line? That's why music hall died, because it was shit. Um, the uh, Bob Hope, uh, that was an Irish comic, he would do Irish stick. A Polish comic would do Polish stick. Uh, guys would do blackface. There'd be a Jewish comic and an Irish comic, right? And they would do things together. Did I see you with a thing the other day? Oh, but I don't know if you saw me with a thing, you know? And, the, and then the menstrual comics would do Isabel, Isabel who? Isabel necessary on a bicycle, you know, like horrible, horrible 
ethnic shit. Bob Hope got up and went, boy, I don't know if you saw the paper today. You know, like he, he did fucking straight up topical, right? And he sang and danced. And so when he met Phyllis Stiller, he put her in a bunch of movies and put her in all his TV shows and shit like that. So Phyllis Stiller puts me in the, sits me down in the living room. She's wearing a fucking gown with a sash. And I'm like this with my little recorder, right? And I'm like, huh? this show's called um, Comedy um, uh, Stand-Up Album Heroes. And she goes, albums? I never made a fucking dime off any of my fucking albums. And I'm like, well... <laughs> This is going to be great. I don't even want to tell her I'm a comedian at this point. I'm considering pretending I'm retroactively British. You know what I mean? I'm actually, at this point, considering going, well, that's really not the point of this, you see. Uh, or, or go, uh, Nick, what, what's his name? Uh, Nick Broomfield? Is that his name who makes all the, you know, Courtney and Kurt and Courtney? Uh, 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 Miss Taylor, uh, 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 and uh, you. Uh, or go Guardian journalist. That's not the point, whether you made money or not. The point is, who ripped you off and were they Jewish? <laughs> were they part of the international cabal to keep feminist comedians down? I'm an inquiring reporter and I've got to know. No, no more gin. Uh, uh, so she was really awesome, and I, her, her, the object of many of her jokes in the olden times, her, when her act first started, was her husband Fang. Right, her husband was named Fang, and uh, he still drinks with both hands. He, what is it? He still holds a glass with both hands. Ah, ah, ah. And uh, I said, "Did your husband ever help you write jokes when you first started?" And she went, "Honey, he couldn't write his own fucking name." She was the real fucking deal. At that point, I said, how many gigs were you doing? And she was like 30 or 40 a year. She played classical piano uh, under the um, nom de uh, guerre, uh, Ilya, Dame Ilya, Dame Ilya Dilya. Uh, so she was on the road doing that. And uh, I would say that it was an untimely demise. But what I wanted to say more than anything else was respect for Phyllis Stiller. One, for starting at 37. Two, for having an entire huge life. And three, for being an unbelievable groundbreaking comedian. And uh, uh, she is... Um, a giant fright wig in the sky tonight. Uh, uh, yes, behind the nebula Orion, uh, or behind the crab nebula, she is the other giant sparkly, spangly, fucking pink, spiky ass thing out in the universe smoking. And uh, when we get to the afterworld, we can all be so lucky to hear her fucking laugh when we walk in. Am I in heaven? Heaven, honey. Ha, 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 ha. You'd be lucky if you were in heaven. Uh, Scott McKenzie passed away, who did the song, um, uh, If You're Going to San Francisco. Uh, there's a lot of kids here tonight. Some of the older people might remember the song. It is what we would call a wimp rock ballad. And um, it was written in the summer of 1167 by John Phillips from the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, going back just ever so briefly, my wife has an awesome theory that the wimpier the music the group produces, the more insane drug use and bullshit they got up to. This is called, thank you. This is the Fleetwood Mac Corollary. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the Crosby, Stills, and Nash retroactive corollary to the Fleetwood Mac effect, right? Like, uh, uh, I remember my friend went to see Crosby, Stills, and Nash in high school. And uh, you know the kind of music they make, you know, like, This morning I woke up and I knew you were gone, right? Like, it's all folky and beautiful. Our house is the very, very, very fine house. They do the first set and they say to the crowd... We're so fucked up, we've got to go backstage and pull it together for a while. We'll see you in a minute. That was the interval. 
They were not young, by the way, during that performance. Uh, and so um, John Phillips from the Mamas and the Papas may have lived the most harrowing rock and roll life of any fucking human being uh, that ever was in a band. And uh, if you know the Mamas and the Papas songs, it's, they're delightful. They're delightful, right? I saw her again last night. You know, like, it's all cutesy and, and lovable. And then uh, he's got uh, feces smeared on the wall and is shooting up in his eyeball. Um, <laughs> So that's the fun of rock, really. So he wrote it for Scott McKenzie. And If You're Going goes like this, Sam. If you're going to San Francisco, be sure you wear some flowers in your hair. If you are going to San Francisco, you're sure to find some gentle people there. It was the summer of love, man. They were just trying to make a buck. I prefer the Eric Burden Warm San Francisco Nights song by the Animals because he goes, um, uh, Cop's face is filled with hate. <laughs> Heaven's above, he's on a street called love. When will they ever learn? <laughs> Old cop, young cop, feel all right on a warm San Francisco night, which has the greatest... And most unbelievably irrevocable fucking jackhammered in politically correct fucking phrase ever thrown into a 60s song. It's an American dream that includes Indians. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. I wasn't born there. Eric Burden, so awesome. That pock face and the, the horrible bowl haircut. He's really a malignant dwarf from the 60s. It's just awesome what the animals were like, you know. And no one knows what I'm talking about. But all right, never mind. It's only your fucking musical heritage on this fucking island. Whatever. No, our music heritage, I think you'll find, is Deacon Blue. <laughs> and Nazareth. Heartbreak or love maker. Now you're messing with a, a son of a bitch. Now you're messing with a son of a bitch. With the fucking cowbell every two seconds. Uh, wow. We got dates coming up here. Really? This one's been so riveting. When will it end? Um, we're in the Soho Theater in London on the 28th. I hope that going goes out before this goes out before that. Uh, we'll be back in Los Angeles at the Cine Family, uh, which is uh, LA's premier um, repertory cinema uh, theater, where you may see such cinematic classics as I've showed previously on my. Again, I don't have a name for it. Right now, the working title is Cinema Prupadiso, but it'll, it'll improve from there. Uh, Proops Loops is just not going to happen, I don't think. Uh, yeah. A dinner and a Proops just didn't really make it. <laughs> hey, honey, let's go on a date. Not to that one. First, I showed point, uh, uh, Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Then we showed uh, Point Break which, as you know, might be the greatest movie of all time. A after having watched Point Break again, I really had to reassess fucking Citizen Kane and a lot of other movies. They've kind of slid down the list for me a little bit. They really, really have. Johnny's got his own demons, don't you, Johnny? You're going down. It's got to be that way. Utah, two. Give me two. And my wife's favorite line, and my, one of my favorite in the movies, back off, War Child. Serious. <laughs> Someone's named War Child. 
You know a movie's good if there's a character named War Child in it. Just saying. Do you measure all films this way? Yes. I think if it had been a... Oh, Ilsa. I didn't know you were in Casablanca. Hello, War Child. All the bars and all the world, all the gin joints and all the world, she, she comes into mine. War Childs here in Casablanca. <laughs> We're going to be showing With Nail and I, which is beyond superb. I mean to have you, boy, even if it's by burglary. <laughs> Bar Lubitsch will be on the f- uh, 5th, the 12th will be at uh, Bar Lubitsch, the 19th will be at Bar Lubitsch. This is all in West Hollywood. Should you be in L.A., come and visit us. It's free to visit. Th- it's free to go to that show. Sorry you had to pay for this one, but hey, it's free to download, so fuck you and a fuck, fuck you and a... Uh, we're hoping for a date in New York in October. We'll keep you posted on that one. Uh, on the 13th, we'll be at the um, podcast. Fe- Believe it or not, L.A. has a podcast festival. You thought Hollywood was shallow. You have no idea. <laughs> we have a podcast festival. Are you going to be in it, Greg? For sure. <laughs> Definitely. I'm going to be at the L.A. Podcast Fest on the 13th, the lucky 13th of October. Then we're going to be at the Mesa Art Center in Arizona. If you want to email me and just wrap it down, baby, uh, fanmail for greg at gmail.com. If you have questions for the show, smartestatespecialthing.com. If you'd like to hear my new novel, um, I've been working on one novel, of course, called My Fist Has Two Dicks. My new novel, I think, is <laughs> No Kittens Have I. We've got to jump right in here because I don't have that much time, but I'm going to whip through a bunch of shit here tonight. The first thing that's so important during the boring preachy part here, if you've been following it in the news, is um, you know what happened. Um, You know who Representative Ted Aiken is this week. I don't know how much background I have to give on this uh, before we jump right in. Uh, Representative Ted Aiken is running for uh, Congress, uh, running for Senate in Missouri, uh, the show me state. And uh, yeah, Missouri. It's funner to say that way. I'm from California, IA. And, uh, oh, no, it really is. It's much funny. Everything's up to date in Kansas City. They going about as far as they can go. They got a little lady boy who says she's from Bangkok. And when I saw her... Okay. Um, no Rogers and Hammerstein for you assholes? All right, all right, fine. Ducks and geeks and chicks start to scurry when they see me out in my Surrey. When they, that's Oklahoma, dickface. Yeah, well, there's no musical called Missouri. Missouri is home to St. Louis and a thing called hillbilly hand fishing, (laughs) as well as, I think, the largest contingency of uh, meth addicts in the entire United States. There was a movie called uh, Winter's Bone from a couple of years ago that took place in Missouri. I don't know if anyone saw that with Jennifer Lawrence. Later, you saw her in The Hunger Games, uh, so your, your intellectual curiosity must be peaked now to wonder what her early work was like. Um, I just saw The Hunger Games on the plane, and wow, it was okay. It had its moments. I mean, the script was like for a four-year-old, but that's who it was written for, right? Wasn't it written for children? Is anyone going to communicate with me, or are you all going to fucking sit and stare at me? This isn't meta. This is happening, you guys. We prefer to sit back on our hands and just judge Yeah, well, I've been in your apartment, Edinburgh, and it's a fucking coke den from 1981. Yeah, I turned on the TV and fucking Poldark was on and shit. Fucking 
Did anyone hear a weird noise and shit? That was really weird. You have to understand the way I am, mine hair. A lion is... What is it? A tiger is a tiger, not a lamb, mine hair. You'll never turn the vinegar to jam, mine hair. So I do. Go, go, go. Uh, Aiken tries to backtrack after outrage of legitimate rape claim. This is what we're talking about in America this week. A man running for Senate, and I emphasize a man running for Senate, an older man running for Senate, a man running for Senate, was on television, on uh, KTVI television in St. Louis on the last weekend, and it was a regular show. I watched the clips, because I vet everything I talk about on this fucking show. This isn't Sky News. I don't go, well, a report recently revealed that the government thinks it's awesome. I'm not repeating talking points that corporations give me. I am looking at fucking newspapers and trying to break this shit down to find if there's a kernel of truth fucking anywhere. So I watched the clip with uh, Congressperson uh, Todd Aiken, pardon me. He was on KTVI television in St. Louis. He was on a show called The Jabor Show, I believe. And um, uh, this is what he said. The guy asked him about pregnancy caused by rape. Now, you may wonder why a reporter is asking someone running for the Senate in the United States what their feelings are on pregnancy caused by rape. That's because we're still talking about women's bodies like they're some sort of disembodied, evil, corporeal, pink fucking cave that's walking around on its own with a hideous eye staring men down and pointing out their inadequacies. We're insane in the United States. We're talking about women's health and women's organs as if women aren't part of the body politic, as if women aren't our mothers, sisters, daughters, lovers, uh, 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 cousins, nieces, grandmothers, Phyllis Dillers. Uh, <laughs> It is extraordinary to me that there is any sticking point at all, one, about the, uh, any aspect of women's health care, of which abortion is a huge part of women's health care. It is not a fell and dread act committed by women to fuck men over. It is not an act women commit so that Jesus will cry and shit. It's a part of our natural lives, as natural as anything else that happens to humans and their physiognomy. Abortion is not caused by evil people. Abortion is a necessity sometimes that women face. And men would do well to look in the fucking mirror and think of a baby shot out their dick. Maybe they'd want some sympathy every fucking once in a while instead of having women go on TV and talk about legitimate rape and illegitimate rape and rape during pregnancy and uh, pregnancy during fucking rape and all this fucking semantic nonsense. It's a leg- This is what the question. They asked him about pregnancy caused by rape, and I'll get even more specific. The reason they asked him is there are people who believe that there should be no abortion for women. Fair enough. Believe what you want to believe, no matter how deluded, misguided, misogynistic, inhumane, hurtful, and cruel your fucking position is. It's your position. Dig yourself. There are also people within that position who believe that women should not have abortions under any circumstances, meaning, and I'll be very specific because this is what we talk about in America, rape and incest, meaning if a family member rapes you, which, by the way, that's what's happening if a family member has sex with you. I don't want to split fucking hairs here with you fucking cave people in Scotland and shit, but you shouldn't have sex with family members, okay? 
or eat other people. I know that you have a history of hiding by the roadside and doing both from caves in the olden times, or that one family at least. Those are two bad things, and I'm not a judgmental person. There's two things I draw the line at, human flesh and sex between family members. And uh, so he does not believe in abortion in any case, right? In other words, if someone has sex with you and impregnates you and you are a girl, you are to bring that baby to term because the baby is more important than you and more important in your life. And more importantly than the baby, the unborn fetus inside you is more important than anything that is happening in the world or in your life. So you can see how their position is almost completely fucking uh, unassailable. Because who would say, I'm joking, of course. I meant as a joke, ironically, that it's unassailable. Uh, Here's the question. He said, uh, what if a woman gets pregnant by rape? And this is what uh, Congressman uh, Aiken said. If it's a legitimate rape, (laughs) the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. Legitimate rape? How do you define that, Representative Aiken? Say you and I were on a weekend together playing a little golf. <laughs> Say afterward we repaired to the bar and had a few drinks. Maybe we should have eaten a little more. Then I offered you a ride home. Then when I was dropping you off, I locked the doors on the car and I said, Representative Aiken, your fucking hairdo's been driving me wild all night. <laughs> Is that musk by Jovan you're wearing? Because you smell like an upturned taper. And I have only one thing to say to you. Spread it. (laughs) And then I had you like a fucking Catholic priest at Penn State during fucking football rally season and shit. (laughs) Would that be legitimate rape? The crowd goes all quiet. Rape's not funny to joke about, Greg. I'm not joking. I'm making a fucking point here that a human being who is in government in my country and wants to be in a higher position in government is using the phrase legitimate rape and we're not laughing him out of town. We're not barring him from speaking in public again for being a poltroon and a jackanape at the very least. Uh, The female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. What fucking physiognomist are you going to? What physician have you referred to that says when a rape's legitimate, the female body shuts him down and doesn't have a baby? Uh, but that's, let's assume that maybe that didn't work or something. I think there should be some punishment, but the punishment ought to be of the rapist and not attacking the child. The child, it isn't a child. There is no child. It's a fetus that a rapist put inside a woman. He just said that. Well, the shit hit the fucking fan. They asked him to jump down. Mitt Romney had a fucking heart attack. Mick Romney's got enough troubles acting like the robot human that he is and trying to, trying to keep his fucking two Janus faces on at all times and not come off like the richest, most out-of-touch fucking human that ever walked the face of the earth, as well as having to defend his, his position on having been pro-choice and then not pro-choice and then pro-healthcare and then not pro-healthcare. By the way, I'd like to remind you that Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan's first promise, should they become president and vice president, is to dismantle the healthcare system of the United States. Have you ever ever in your lifetime thought you would hear a politician promise to dismantle health care as a bonus for you to vote for. 
And if I get in, everyone will starve on the street, whether directly or indirectly. Should you become ill, you will be turned out from your local infirmary. Who is with me? Meanwhile, the rich shall live in everlasting glory in white palaces upon a hill with coke mirrors like where Greg lives. Sweet fucking Maria. So, uh, Obama, actually, uh, President Obama, I was actually quite proud of him because he spoke up. And he spoke out against Senator Aiken. Mitt Romney's camp had a fucking heart attack. They won't even go on TV this week. A couple of stars obviously went on TV and made asses of themselves and supported him and shit like that. Um, Ryan and Mitt Romney's camp actually had to come down and say, we're for abortion in, in, in cases of uh, uh, incest and rape. If you can fucking believe that this is a discussion we're having in the year 2012. Uh, that women are being discussed like they're some sort of objects that just sort of walk around us in an orbit. I'd like to read you something to uh, speak to the point of um, whether rape and legitimate rape uh, increase pregnancy. A 1996 uh, national health study says, in the United States, 32,101 pregnancies result from rape each year. It occurs with significant frequency and is closely linked with family and domestic violence in the United States. Greater attention and effort should be aimed at preventing and identifying unwanted pregnancies that result from sexual victimization. Dr. Willie J. Parker, someone I've spoken of on this show, is an abortion provider who does late-term abortions in the United States, something that very few doctors are willing to do because the anti-choice idiots in the United States threaten to shoot them all the time to preserve the sanctity of life. Dr. Parker is particularly poignant when explaining why he's chosen to become one of only about 11% of abortion providers that perform abortions after the 20th week. One, these are two stories. One was a 32-year-old lawyer who found out in her 21st week she was pregnant with a baby had a lethal abnormality. The other was a 13-year-old who was being molested by her uncle who was staying with her family, but she didn't tell her family until well after he'd left. These are typical circumstances in the patients that seek second trimester abortions. I'm reading you things. Those are from, that was from the New York Times. Um, because I want you to understand there's no such thing as legitimate rape. There's rape, and there's rape, and there's rape, and there's rape, and that's it. Whether your dad does it to you, whether your uncle, whether you don't want it done, and it's done, that's rape. Um, and men don't know the first, and men should know the first fucking thing about it. After what's been happening with the Catholic Church and with the giant Penn State scandal in my country, you'd think men would get the fucking clue at a certain point that anyone can be raped. Uh, and that it's not something that it's just to discuss real fucking lightly and even less, um, even less impressive, uh, than all this is to understand this representative Aiken sits on the science and technology committee. Apparently the science and technology he goes for, uh, you have to lay in a shallow ditch and wait for the moon to rise and shit like that. I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it again. Men need to fucking grow a fucking clitoris and understand at some point uh, what the fuck is going on in the real world and shit like that. Uh, in any case, uh, off the back of that story, uh, Augusta Golf Club in Georgia. I know people like golf, especially white people, especially white people with penises that are older and have graying sideburns who drive BMWs. <laughs> they really love golf. 
If you go into a men's spa anywhere in the world, the men will know this. If you're a young man, you won't know it quite yet. But when you go into spas at, at country clubs or, or, or uh, uh, big hotels, it's always middle-aged men. And you can be sure of two things that will be on the TV when you, go into a men, when you go into a women's spa. It's pretty fun. Women hang around. They actually talk to each other. They eat fruit and shit. Men never speak. They read newspapers and shit or they're on their phone. And golf is on TV. Golf lets you know that there will be, one, no Negroes. And two, yeah, the riffraff's cut out because no one from the underclass likes golf at all. Um, uh, the Augusta uh, Golf Club in Georgia hasn't allowed um, black people for a 1,000 years. Finally, they did a few years ago. Um, Tiger Woods won a tournament there when no black people could be a member of that club. And I'm not talking about a 1,000 years ago. You know who Tiger Woods is. This week, the Masters event – and by the way, the U.S. Masters is the Masters – one of the most august events in all of the PGA Tour. The Masters is where older fascistic men who have their own planes gather to rape their maids during the weekends and have a great time planning the destruction of the world by selling arms illegally. You know, who doesn't love a golf weekend when the men of the world can gather and once again waggle their Viagra-laden impotent penises together and make sure that everyone's unhappy till the end of time? When a helping hand is never extended to those below, you can be sure that the Masters will be one of the greatest tournaments. Wearing this green jacket's one of the greatest honors a white asshole dickhead douchebag man could possibly ever achieve. You know, when I think about auto racing and golf, I think about how it's for everybody, whether you're wealthy and white or white and wealthy. After successfully fending off demands to admit women members on countless occasions, the club faced intense scrutiny this year following the appointment of Ginny Rometty as IBM's chief executive officer. You know what IBM is. It's International Business Machines. It's a leading sponsor of the Masters. Her four predecessors in the CEO role had been invited to become members of the club, but no such invitation was issued to Rometty. So people started suing. The two women they've allowed in, Condoleezza Rice that blushing flower, and South Carolina financier Darla Moore, um, both of whom are unbelievably right-wing and unbelievably rich. Well, that's how it got broken. So, hey, Augusta Golf Club and the Masters Tourney, look at you. <laughs> look what you did. And they, they couldn't be prouder. They couldn't fucking be prouder. Uh, the club, which opened in December 1932, accepted its first black member in 1990. He was a man, by the way. Uh, the, Johnson conceded uh, uh, the Hootie... You're going to love his name. Bur uh, they sued. Martha Burke of the National Council of Women's Organizations started suing in 2002. Burke repeatedly clashed with former Augusta chairman Hootie Johnson. <laughs> now... When y'all invite everybody to be a member, y'all don't mean everybody. You know, when an August body like Augusta isn't legitimately raped by a woman, we have a way of rejecting their claims. 
Corporate sponsors unnerved by the controversy over sexism pulled out of the 2000 and 2004 Masters tournaments. Condoleezza Rice. Well, good for Condi. Uh, not one of my favorite humans that ever lived. Anyone that, that's working the press corps will tell you now they prefer Hillary Clinton much more for several reasons. One, Condoleezza Rice would go to the back of the jet and never come out and fucking talk to anyone or tell anyone what was going on with foreign policy for the entire time she was Secretary of State. Two, uh, my take on Condoleezza Rice is this. When 9-11 happened, she was shopping for shoes in New York City. She was also the national security advisor. That's the person closest to the president who's responsible uh, for making sure things like this don't happen. Um, planes crashing into the Pentagon. Um, she didn't make sure that happened. She was not fired. She was not investigated. She was not censured. She was not even upbraided. She was, in fact, kicked upstairs and made secretary of the state for the second term. This is how the Bush administration worked. A little bit like the club at Augusta. Uh, on your own merits shall you rise. Uh, in any case, good for her for getting in. And well done, Augusta, for uh, cracking out the year 2012 and putting that nasty year 1012 away. Uh, Tony Scott passed away. And Tony Scott... Uh, here's the thing about Tony Scott. Tony Scott was a, a director. His brother Ridley, uh, of course, made Blade Runner and uh, Thelma and Louise and Alien and uh, 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 w- Holy Kittens. What was the one? That, there was a Crusade movie from a few years ago that I. Uh, what was that one? Kingdom of Heaven. I quite enjoyed that with the King of Jerusalem with the mask on and all that shit. Uh, and it had Jeremy Irons in it as a knight. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going to take Jerusalem back from the infidel. There's no way Saladin can take the castle keep. Uh, if only. Uh, Tony made Beverly Hills Cop 2, Top Gun, uh, <laughs> True Romance, The Last Boy Scout, Crimson Tide, and awesomely The Hunger. Uh, he made what we would call in, uh, popcorn movies. Um, he also wore a pink baseball hat and pointed a lot, according to this picture here. <laughs> Anyway, uh, he, he made a lot of entertaining movies. It's not so much that he was the uh, greatest artist of the cinema that ever lived. It's that I think there's no one in this room who hasn't fucking seen a Tony Scott movie, whether you're aware of it or not. That's how fucking permeating uh, his, uh, his reach is. Uh, and uh, he came to an untimely demise, and one that we're not going to s- discuss. But um, he is, of course, in heaven tonight, behind the cross uh, that the film sprockets through, uh, watching his movies... Uh, a giant, giant, giant replication of Tom Cruise in, which one is it? Days of Thunder, where he drives around in a car. Uh, he, he, he's a hotshot car driver in that one. That'll be playing forever in heaven uh, in Tony Scott's world. Uh, and so we wish him well in the afterworld. I'm sure the first thing he'll do is light a fucking cigar and start ordering the fucking for better lighting. <laughs> I'm almost certain that'll happen. Uh, I'm trying to find the last thing here, but I don't think I can. I don't know if we have time for any questions. I was going to take some, but um, the boring preachy part went on so long, and then the Coke dealer description went on so long that, really, I think I found myself up against it here. Uh, I want to thank the crew who's helped me out so very much here, um, Emma and Leo and David and everyone else who's working here. Um, I'm going to take a couple questions off of here, and then we're going to fuck off into this good night. Um, let's see. Um, Princep Proops, Vice Count of Vitriol, Earl of Funk Nasty, The Viper et al. Which it, Jacob asks, which is more important, communication or consideration? Well, not letting the audience ask any questions tonight after saying I was going to at the beginning proves <laughs> consideration is more important. Uh, 
thank you for your question. Paul asks, Lord High Proopkitten, what are your views on the Welsh and Wales? Oh, I love the Welsh. They're fantastic. Uh, hello to our friends in Wales. <laughs> I've been to Coomany many times, and I've always enjoyed it. I've even been to places in Wales that you've never fucking been, aside from Swansea and uh, Cardiff and whatnot. I've been to uh, uh, Powys Newtown and uh, um, uh, Potter Darway. So how about that? Put that in your fucking Abergavenny. And uh, <laughs> what I always wondered about the Welsh was why didn't they come into England and just burn it to the fucking ground every weekend? The English are so bloody arrogant about them. What do I think about whales? I think there's not enough left, and I think we should protect them. <laughs> this person, Dean, asks, Hello, Mr. Proops. Hello, Dean. Uh, hi, Greg. How are you? I'm all right. I'm a little sweaty. <laughs> How are you, Dean? I'm cool. Really? Let me ask you something, Dean. Are you riding around in a, in a car across America right now? No, Greg. <laughs> I'm not. This isn't the novel on the road. I'm writing you a letter over the emails. I grew up Amish until my early 20s. You guys know what Amish is? Yeah. yeah. I've never traveled or been on a plane. Hmm. I have since renounced religion. This letter's getting spicier and spicier. <laughs> if I see the word butt plug anywhere, I'm going to have to stop reading. I have embraced Satan and a group <laughs> and a drug called ketamine. I'm hoping. <laughs> My boyfriend, Shirley, and I are thinking about buying a raccoon for the vernal equinox. When you celebrate Beltane, do you kill a cat or you just wait for one to walk by and something bad to happen? <laughs> Signed, Dean. No. He writes, uh, I've never traveled or been in a plane. Uh, that's funny because I'm on a plane. I can't complain. I'm on a plane. I have since renounced religion and have decided to let electricity into my life. That's awesome. We all have to at some point, I think. Scotland's just letting refrigeration in, but not air conditioning. I'm getting it. We don't need it. All you have to do is open one of those tiny spinning things in the bathroom window and a huge burst of air comes flying in and makes it, oh, so fresh and free. It's like being in Pennyquick with your balls running to the grass. And then... <laughs> what sticky water you have. Mm. What the cock is that? Get over there, you. Are you going to finish the question? Maybe. I am getting married at the end of August. Well, how did you meet any chicks? I've never traveled or been on a plane. So I assume she has a beard like you and a weird stovepipe hat? What, you guys meet in an Abraham Lincoln lookalike contest or some fucking insane quilting bee? Or was she whittling the cob of corn to look like Amelia Earhart or something and you fucking... Say there, sister, that's quite a gingham dress you've got on. You've got a lovely unibrow. I would love I would love to lay atop you. Uh, I'm, I'm getting married. There it is. Uh, at the end of August. Oh, kittens. We've got to finish. And we'll be traveling for the first time on an airplane. Hey. 
Uh, don't freak out. It's fun. You'll like it. Except you won't like it. If only you could have flown 30 years ago, bro. God, you would have liked it then. They gave you glass glasses and food and shit like that. You didn't have to buy a fucking cup of tea. They gave you a fucking cup of tea. You didn't have to wait in a queue. No one rubbed your balls. No one took a picture of you. No one pretended water could explode when you took it in the air. No one pretended that, yeah. You know what I mean? It was awesome in the old days. They gave you food. It was, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, although Heathrow is, has good shopping. Um, I'm getting uh, the Edinburgh airport. Don't even fucking start me. We may never get out of this room if I start on the Edinburgh airport. The, why is the Glasgow airport delightful, fun, convenient, and has good food? And your airport is like, I'm going to have to come in forever. You know, like, it's just, it's amazing. I, can I see your taillights? Pull out, pull out. He's going into the fifth. Uh, we'll be traveling for my first time on an airplane, taking me to California with my beautiful bride. We don't know what your bride looks like. We take it on faith. I could write a sonnet about your Easter bonnet. You were the randiest bunny in the Easter parade. Uh... We'll be traveling for the first time on airplane, taking my California, my beautiful bride. My question is, what is the oddest, most fascinating, or most depraved thing? <laughs> I could do while in California that would really churn my relatives butter. <laughs> what was it? Fascinating, fascinating, oddest. Most fascinating or most depraved thing? Well, the oddest thing you could do would be to come home and be changed not at all. I think the oddest thing you can do with it, well, what was California like? What was it like flying on the plane? Just go, it was all right. The most depraved thing you could do, and why would you think I would know that? I think the best thing you could do would be to take your beautiful bride there and then get her a hotel room and pay a fella to come home with you. Then when you land back in Amish land, get off the plane with him and then go, it's Beverly. <laughs> then everyone in Amish land will be like, well, husk my fucking corn. What the fuck happened to Beverly? And you're like, this is what happened to her. It's what happens to everyone who goes to California. You didn't tell me where you were going in California. If you go to San Diego, get a fucking fish taco and freak the fuck out at the flavors. If you go to San Francisco, score some weed at a medical marijuana dispensary and then talk to a man dressed as a nun. If you go to Los Angeles, I think the LA Podcast Festival is where you're going to want to go. That has been the smartest man in the world, Proofcast. You have been a lovely crowd. I want to thank you very much for coming out tonight and all of your patience and all of your love. May every page that you turn be a satchel page. I wish you nothing but happiness. My name's Greg Proofs. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.